News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Parents should not be helpless. They should be able to choose the education option that is best for their child. The way to do that is with ESAs, Education Savings Accounts. But that program shouldn't be limited. That program should be available to everybody in Texas. So now is the time to expand ESAs to every child in the state of Texas. That will give all parents the ability to choose the best education option for their child. The momentum behind the school choice issue, the issue of parental rights and school choice is palpable right now in the Texas legislature. Greg Abbott came out just late January. January 31st was when he gave that speech in Corpus Christi and gave a continued very clear like level of support, not only behind having some form of school choice, but it actually being statewide, okay? And this is a big deal for anyone who's been following the legislature for the last decade because teacher unions have had a stranglehold on the Texas House of Representatives. And there's something you need to understand, which is that elected officials in Texas – most of the Republicans in the Texas House Republican Caucus don't hold strong convictions on policy. And this probably doesn't surprise most of you. But we can forget this at times. And then we become convinced that certain policies don't stand a chance because of the elected officials in the legislature. Constitutional carry is probably the best example of this. Year after year, it's filed and pushed by all of these gun groups and a coalition and the Republican Party of Texas, and it gets maybe 10 to 15 authors on the bill. Does that mean that there were only 10 to 15 state reps that supported the policy and would vote for it? No, but it did mean that in the environment in the Texas House, that was the list. The NRA weren't huge supporters of it. The speakers at the time were not supporters of it. Last session when Dade Phelan decided he wanted to push a policy that Dan Patrick did not support in an effort to try to make Dan look bad to conservatives, he picked constitutional carry because it was really the only option, option to find a policy that the lieutenant governor had not been out in front and loud about. And so once he did that, all of a sudden you had well over 75 members of the Texas House of Representatives say, I would love constitutional carry in the state of Texas. And that same feeling is happening right now on the issue of school choice. The teacher unions in Texas, these leftist Marxist organizations, have had public education committees that are incredibly reflective of their will for ever, ever since I've been in politics, I would say that my actually to rewind the public education committee in 2007 was the first public education committee I ever saw. 
Okay. I was 17 years old. I was interning at my dad's office and Nathan Macias was a member of the public education committee and people were ticked. He was selected by the speaker of the Texas house at the time, Tom Craddock to be on the committee. And they're like, you let this homeschool dad on the public education committee. It was awesome. But that was really the last session in which we had a speaker that was not in the hip pocket of the teacher unions. Okay. Then Joe Strauss took over and he gave teacher unions complete control of that committee. Dennis Bonin took over and still did not drastically reform the committee substantially. Dade Phelan put Harold Dutton as chair of the committee, a very liberal Democrat, one that is supportive of charter schools, a little bit open to school choice and some other stuff. But he's also not somebody who in no way is connected to education and educrats as a whole. Dade Phelan himself touted the endorsement of the teacher unions during his reelection last cycle. So we're coming into an environment where Dan Patrick has clearly laid out, I am going to push this issue aggressively. And at a time he had started to talk about maybe some rural carve outs, but he's come out and clarified that he does not want any of Texas carved out, which is good because the most red areas of the state, rural Texas, should be the last people we ever don't give good conservative policy to. Republicans need to get into the mindset that if they're going to carve anyone out, it should be Democrat areas. Now, I'm against carve outs as a whole, but I'm just telling you, if you're going to carve someone out, don't carve your own people out of good policy. I don't think you should carve anyone out. But goodness gracious, why, when we are going to carve out, are we going after Republican areas? So Dan Patrick has come out and said, I don't want carve outs. And Greg Abbott, in that clip that you just heard, I mean, he knows the Texas House is hesitant on this issue. We've talked about this in the past. Brooks Landgraf, Dustin Burroughs, none of these people being real strong supporters. Ken King, another chairman under Dade Phelan, saying I'm completely opposed to this idea. And yet Abbott continues to say this is going to happen this session. So the momentum behind this policy is substantial. And I will tell you my observation is that The educrats are very quiet right now because the environment is not one where they're going to be rewarded for being loud, but they are amassing their forces to come out and push in a very aggressive way to keep the bulwark in the Texas house they need built up to withstand the onslaught and push for school choice. It is happening. The momentum is real. And it is an issue that each of you should be aware of, probably stands a better chance of passing this session than at any time um, in the last decade. Clearly. Uh, You could argue, I mean, there was the the closest, I can't remember the year because this is where my Texas legislative historian hat is going to fall short. It's 2005 or 2003, one of those times where Kent Grusendorf, who's a champion on this issue, was carrying it in the House. I think they were a couple votes away, either in the 2003 or 2005 session in the Texas House. And the problem was that that next election cycle, the teacher unions won a series of victories. Kent Grusendorf actually lost his own reelection to Diane Patrick, who was recruited by the teacher unions and who was then a very liberal member of the legislature until she was defeated in her primary by... Tony Tinderholt. 
for those of you who don't know. So Diane Patrick literally came into the legislature and was on the higher education committee. She had her hand in all of these pots, very liberal Republican that's tied to the education establishment. Tony Tinderholt, retired veteran, steps in, meets people in his community, runs for the legislature, gets elected, and has done all of the things that we've talked about him doing on this program. But his seat is the same seat that Kent Grusendorf previously held, who was the last person to really successfully push, I should say unsuccessfully, but more successfully than other people in the past, push this issue as the chairman of public education under Tom Craddock and just came a couple votes shy of enacting the policy. The reason I think it's so important is that we have to break the stranglehold that the teacher unions have in the legislature. We have to force a divorce between liberal teacher unions and these rural Republican representatives. We have to cut that relationship in half. And passing school choice would accomplish that. Not only is the policy in itself, I had a debate on this show that many of y'all gave me a lot of feedback on and said you really enjoyed that debate. And so, and both sides, some of you disagreed with the points I made. Some of you sided with Nikki Truesdell. But uh, whether you are for it or against it, uh, the other reality that this policy could produce is a very necessary divorce between liberal Marxist teacher unions and rural Republican representatives. This issue is just added to the list of many other Republican conservative policies that continue to gain traction. We've talked about the Chinese land issue that is brewing. Of course, we've talked about the drag shows and the sex change surgeries and the continued support and momentum behind all these conservative policies is causing a problem for Dade Phelan, which is why he continues to delay. And we talked about this Last week, specifically, I'm not going to dedicate a whole lot of the show, but just to put something in perspective to reiterate the point I was making last week, which was that this delay is intentional, okay? In 2015, Joe Strauss appointed committees on February 4th, the 23rd day of the legislative session. I'm going to give you these numbers, uh, and I want to thank Tom Glass for providing them because he tweeted these out, and I think they're really insightful. 2015, Joe Strauss appoints committees on February 4th, day 23 of the legislative session. On 2017, Strauss did it on February 9th, which was the 31st day of the legislative session. By the way, both of those sessions, a lot of conservative bills died at the end of the session, and Joe Strauss and his leadership told everybody, we just ran out of time. I hate it, guys, but we just ran out of time. Didn't have time to pass those Republican priorities. In 2019, under Dennis Bonin, things moved quicker. January 23rd is when the appointments were made, and that was day 16 of the legislative session. And last session, Dade Phelan appointed on February 4th, which was day 24 of the legislative session. Now, these were tweeted out on February 4th, which at the time was day 26. And we are already further along. I think today's 28. So, And when you're hearing this, it's 29. So recognize that by mid to late this week, we will be now later than any time in the last eight years of when committees were appointed. 
That is not by accident. Look, Dade Phelan, you could argue that when he took 24 days, it's like, well, he had to start from scratch. He didn't know who was going to be on every committee, and none of his uh, chairmen had been selected at the time. By the way, when Dennis Bonin appointed him, he didn't have any of that lined up. He was a freshman speaker and did it in 16 days. Dade Phelan, his freshman year, did it in 24 days. He's taking longer this time, and most of the committees are already set. Guys, Greg Bonin's going to be the chair of appropriations. Dustin Burrow's going to be the chair of calendars. These things aren't changing. So it's not like he's starting from scratch. But the delay continues. And this week we have Senate committees that are literally having hearings. They can't take action on bills until 30 days in. Which, by the way, we hit 30 days in a couple days. And then the Senate can start taking even more action. So these are all things you need to be aware of that are happening. They are happening intentionally. And I think the fact that all of these conservative policies are gaining more and more traction and attention and momentum is one of the reasons that House leadership's just like, golly, we got to tap on the brakes in some form or fashion. We have to do it. For those of you who have followed the drag show issue that we have brought you and we've talked to Texas Family Project a lot about this issue, they have been leading the charge on this. If you're not familiar with Texas Family Project, you need to search them out. Um, They are doing amazing work. A lot of you who are seeing all these videos, I was actually talking to someone who is from California, recently moved to Texas. I was talking to her about uh, all the drag show issues, right? And she says, man... The only place I know drag shows are happening are in Texas. And I don't know what it is. I mean, they must be happening in other red states, but all I see is all these clips nationwide from Texas drag shows. And the reason that's happening is because Sarah Gonzalez and Chris Hopper with the Texas Family Project teamed up and started Defend Our Kids Texas and went around and decided to expose all of this. I mean, Tucker Carlson on his show a couple weeks ago says, we only have this grotesque video footage of what's going on in these drag shows because of the Texas Family Project. Well, one of the things that I thought was interesting that came out is that there was an all-ages drag show in Florida. And do you know what Ron DeSantis did to this all-ages drag show when it showed up to Florida? He revoked the venue's liquor license. So I talk a lot about red state America and what we need to be setting as an example. And I point to Ron DeSantis often because, guys, it is so easy to be the best red state governor in America. Like you would think that every single red state governor, when you come and start putting yourself in a state of undress, dancing provocatively as an opposite sex of what you are, or not, or just dressing as yourself, but still sexually provocatively and going around and doing sexual things in front of a child, you'd think every single Republican governor in the nation would say, oh my gosh, every single thing we can do to stop this will be done. But that didn't happen. Ron DeSantis said, we're going to revoke their liquor license. Hey, you sexualizer of kids, we might need to pass a bill that makes that illegal. Clearly there's a loophole that groomers have found that they're taking advantage of, but it doesn't mean that the government can't still use the power of the government that they've been given, that they've been elected by the people with the power to 
try to stop what is ugly and bad and evil and degenerate in society. That's part of the role of government. Anyways, Ron DeSantis stripped this thing, place's liquor license away. And all the places that you've seen, all the footage you've seen on the internet of all these drag shows in Texas, they all still have their liquor license, unfortunately. But that could change. And there is legislation, multiple bills filed this session to ban drag shows. Nate Schatzline has filed legislation. Jared Patterson has filed legislation. Matt Shaheen has filed legislation. So at some point we will see kind of which one of those is the uh, piece of legislation that people will get behind more so than others. And then we will, of course, keep you updated and the Texas Family Project will keep you updated on that stuff. You can go to TexasFamilyProject.com if you want more information from them. And if these are issues you care about, whether it's the drag show issues, the sex change operations, the sexualization of kids in general, uh, they are ones to to follow along with. In closing, one of the things that y'all need to be aware of is that uh, Texas Scorecard just launched a new podcast called the Texas Minute. And one of the things that I have people tell me is that, you know, they appreciate that I don't sit here and talk to you for one hour. Um, every now and then we have certain conversations and some of our most successful episodes are actually like an hour, hour and a half, but they're super meaningful conversations at the time. And so if, if I'm not going to bring you a super meaningful conversation, I am not going to come to you for an hour and a half. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to sit here and just pontificate and wax eloquent on anything that comes to my mind for an hour and a half. Cause a lot less of you will tune in on a weekly basis. Um, by the way, also just to mention, and I know I've kind of closing things down here, but uh, we have been getting some great feedback from our midweek episodes. So thank you so much to those of you who have been tuning in for those midweek episodes and sharing those because I wasn't sure if they were going to get as much traction, but they continue to get actually almost just as much traction as as uh, our our first of the week episode. So appreciate y'all's feedback and sharing of of that stuff. But Texas Scorecard just launched a new a podcast called the Texas Minute. Now, this is a, a almost daily podcast. It's Monday through Friday. It is five to six minutes, okay? So uh, for those of you who don't get the Texas Minute, that is an incredibly popular newsletter. The, I mean, it's by far one of the things I hear most about all across Texas. People say, I read the Texas Minute. Um, I had a, a lawmaker tell me the other day, they go, man, I don't know anybody in my district that doesn't read the minute. I get talked to by Republican women. I get talked to by chairman, by local elected officials. Anyways, the Texas Minute is a, a daily email that you can get that just has, again, the daily digest of things, all things Texas, um, a couple stories, top stories you need to be aware of. But now you're going to get that Monday through Friday on a podcast form if this is where you're getting most of your information, which if you're listening to me in your lovely ears, then it is at least where you get some of your information. This is a Monday through Friday daily podcast, five minutes, and it is just going to give you a couple news snippets. So not the kind of in-depth conversations we have here, but this is just the absolute most important things that you need to know are going on in Texas. And I think you will find that helpful. So if you, uh, wherever you're listening to this, you can just look up Texas Minute, subscribe, listen, if you like it, review it. And guys, if you haven't reviewed our podcast, um, I actually have been encouraged by a number of reviews that have come in over the last month. But if you are somebody who's regularly listening to us and you haven't reviewed yet, please consider doing that just for, for my own sake. You know, I will feel a lot better if you do. But also it really does help this show 
uh, be seen by more and more people. So when you're writing these reviews about this is where I get information about Texas politics, Texas government, certain issues that you follow along with, this means that when people are looking for that on the various different platforms, they're way more likely to actually see it and be able to engage with the content we have. So it really does help this podcast grow and our listenership grow. What helps that grow even more is all of you who share it with your friends. I can't tell you how many people I run into that when they tell me, hey, I listen to you. And um, and I'll ask them, you know, one, where do you listen? And then two, kind of how did you hear about it? And so many of them say, I, I was just, one of my friends shared it with me and then he shared it with me an episode and then I started listening to it on a regular basis. So for those of you out here who continue to do that, thank you so much. And the people you know that you can share this with, we are so grateful uh, when you do decide to do that. Guys, we've got a lot going on in Texas and we're going to continue to come to you with the most important things that we think are happening in the Lone Star State in the middle of a legislative session where conservative policy is gaining a tremendous amount of momentum and some politicians are seeming to understand and wake up to the time that we're in and push these issues while others are dragging their feet. And either way, I don't care whether we get legislative wins dragging certain people's feet or being cheered on by elected politicians. I do think that we are still in an environment where there's a lot of wins that are um, that could be seen in the next hundred days. And we will keep you abreast of all things going on in Texas. May God bless you and may God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.